0: hey mark how are you
1: very good bill good to see you
0: it's good to see you too so let's start with a little background so why why am i talking to you about uh about ai well
1: i i thought it was probably because we met and you've been following my work for a while Uh, that that is true absolutely Uh, but uh, no, I mean, uh, you, yeah, you you jump back into the legal tech business uh, with both feet. It sounds like so. Um, well, I've been uh, I've been uh, in the R and D phase with AI for 25 years. My first interest in it was in 1984, uh, way back up in Washington State, um, and I, so I won't spend too much on time time on that. But that was a sort of an early blip. But that's when I first got interested in it. Um, but but didn't really uh, get heavily involved until the 90's when I was running my own lab, which was considered a knowledge system lab um, in Northern Arizona. It was a small lab, but at the time there was very few knowledge systems labs. Uh, the largest one was was at Stanford. Um, and I was running a couple of networks. One was uh, for thought leaders, a learning network that was kind of like the early uh, LinkedIn. Uh, ran that for three years during the late 1990s. And it was during that time where I got really interested in uh, cross-disciplinary work uh, with algorithms and the data that we were using. Um, and it was personalized. So we even had a uh, – we were experimenting with a with a bot called Lookout, which was a personalized digital assistant. It wasn't, wasn't a talking assistant, but uh, it was text. Um, and we are doing some really neat stuff. And that's when I came up with the theorem – uh, that K-Yield, my company, is based on yield management and knowledge. Um, and, and, uh, and so I decided to jump in with both feet. Um, I was uh, started a, a VC firm in 2002, so I was incubating K-Yield on the side. Um, and then uh, in about 2006, we could finally see where, uh, you know, eventual uh, technical viability for the theorem uh, filed the, the core patent, and then 2008 moved over to Silicon Valley in discussions on a VC merger during just in time for the financial crisis, which I walked away from. Uh, the, the The other firm was not looking very good, the LPS and stuff. So we uh, we moved to New Mexico. Um, I got involved with the Santa Fe Institute um, and shifted gears on on our research. Um, and that's when I started looking at more advanced AI systems for the past, you know, over what, 12, 13 years now. So, uh, and and the company, we incorporated K-Yield in 2018. Uh, and that's when we really started getting serious about, you know, going to prospective customers and and uh, with our flagship system, which is enterprise-wide, enterprise operating system. And, you know, I, I don't know how much you want to talk about all that, but that's probably, I assume, why. and then, uh, you know, I publish quite a bit I'm pretty active and have uh, done a lot of videos, so the, the educational curve has been very steep for everybody, for, for us, for our customers, for you know, for everybody writing about it, and understanding it. So uh, whether you like it or not, it's a it's a very intensive uh, learning curve. So uh, for all of us.
0: Well, and I've been following your work for a while now, and we we've we've gotten to a very uh, interesting inflection point where sort of everybody's paying attention all of a sudden, thanks to. Thanks to our friends at OpenAI, and and you have been working on and concerned about the the governance and and controls and understanding of the results of AI for uh, for many years, and now now this is kind of a, a you know issue at the forefront.
1: Yeah, uh, well, you know, one of the benefits of of running a, a large network when I came up with K Yield and designing the system architect was that. It, it, it was obvious to me from the beginning that you're going to need governance, strong governance in any of these systems. You're going to need a data management system because that's what it's all run on. And so you're going to have to have the ability, right, for things like lineage and provenance and, and, and strong governance. And you're, you need to be able to enable the customers and an enterprise to be able to easily uh, make decisions on, on how it's going to be governed and access and that sort of thing. And so, yeah, I've been very involved with governance all along because it just seemed, and that's part of our core patent, part of still part of our core system um, in the Kos. And so, I was actually shocked to see because I've been pretty aware of of these uh, large language models um, and the uh, the transformers. I follow the research very carefully. I know quite a few of the leading scientists, and you know, I've interviewed them in in my own writing and things. I've met quite a few and um and so you know i was i was shocked that they released OpenAI released uh chat uh, their chatbot um what i considered to be prematurely um and i was even more surprised because i was an early booster of microsoft way back in 1982 and i knew them well in fact we ran product boot camps for them in 1983 in my quote learning in that the head of research and Microsoft, three decades later, called the learning end. And, and so I was shocked that Microsoft, even at arm's length, would be so aggressive uh, on this because there are some very obvious issues uh, for those of us that have been in the trenches a long time. And that's why you've seen things like the letter, uh, open letter come out and, and the, some of the leading scientists, even, even Hinton in the, in the the uh, in the CBS interview that I posted on LinkedIn from just a week ago, uh, tomorrow, I think it is, um, he said, and he's he's like one of the most uh, strongest advocates for large-scale uh, machine learning. Uh, he said that, look, it's guardrails are very difficult with LLMs. And, and he thought he thought Microsoft was, it, you know, being reckless. He, he was surprised too. So it's interesting that, you know, and I haven't talked to any of these people, but it's interesting to see where they get interviewed that they're thinking the same, right? And all these different people Yashua, um, Benjo, and quite a few others. Um, so, yeah, it's a very interesting time. And, and I, it's not over yet, especially on the consumer side. There's some big legal issues coming up. So it's going to be interesting to see. Yeah, so, so
0: suddenly we have this, this you know, public uh, beta or, or or alpha, depending on how you want to look at it, yeah. of, of generative AI. Like everybody knows this term now, generative AI, where yeah. uh, four months ago, Like who's who's talking about that in, uh, you know, at the water cooler. And so we've we've now all gotten a taste of what it can do, which is which is actually amazing. I mean, it's it's really impressive the results that you get. But there are some real, you know, there are some real challenges. So let's talk about what uh, what some of those are.
1: Yeah, well, you know, for we focus primarily on the enterprise, like you do, right? In your industry-specific, our systems are universal, so they're not. Then we, you know, once you uh, get them installed, then you do deep dives with their people, their you know data scientists or third parties, and you can go down into the granular level. But it's not industry-specific. Um, we have a couple of designs for industries, but it's it's not like you guys specializing. But in any event, um, so there are there are multiple. Serious issues for for enterprise decision makers, and and I've had some really interesting discussions with with some of the big companies in the last few days. You know, CEOs of some of the biggest companies in the world, and um, and and so you know, let's lay them out. I talk about it a little in my newsletter, but one is right off the bat is copyright, right? And so uh, obviously, the Supreme Court has not had a chance to review this in detail, rule on it. You know, it's it's there's a bunch of lawsuits that have been filed. There's a lot of stuff working, um, but uh, uh, copyright is a, is a major issue. In, during the 90s, there was a grand bargain that was made with search and um, and social networks. And it, essentially, you know, fair use, okay, copyright will, will allow you, regulators, society, you know, large, uh, will allow you to, to use a fair amount of content provided you're linking to the original source, right? And for that, through another, um, through legislation, uh, we'll provide, you know, Section 230 will provide you with protection on liability uh, so that you don't get sued because it's not your content after all, right? You're not providing the full content, you're providing a blip. And if, 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 you know, let's face it, if we hold search engines responsible, uh, liable for all of the content on the web, it's not going to be a very good search engine. You're going to get, you know, a few hundred places that they know there's no risk, uh, a few thousand, but you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get to, if Mark wants to put up a website talking about his favorite hobby, they're probably not going to list it in the in the search engine. So that was what happened in the 90s. Now, here we have the LLMs with massive sort of infinite compute power scraping, you know, unbelievable quantities of data trying to t- essentially scrape the world's knowledge base and put it into one system uh, for you know uh, towards artificial general intelligence and um, and provide full content reproduction uh and so it's an entirely new world uh you know that has never happened before uh, and uh, and certainly at this scale with be able to reproduce uh, and across all industries, you know, we call it the knowledge economy. So if you're an enterprise decision maker, you've got several issues, right? One is, okay, my industry could be at severe risk if this continues, uh, because uh, they have the ability to glean so much more content that we do and data um, and apply A- AI to it. And then if we're going to use it, uh, this technology internally, um, there's a big difference between, um, you know, a plug-in to a system like that using your own data or uh, as we discussed before the, the talk, um, purpose-built systems where you're using your own data, right? Like you were talking about with the legal industry and, um, and, and what's starting to happen in a you know, large scale now. Uh, so those are two really big issues on the copyright. We can delve into that. But then the, the second big issue Um, is uh, that I touched on is liability for the false information that it puts out well there we have some pretty good indicators on which way the the you know the courts are leaning Gorsuch in a in the current legal case with Google on a sort of somewhat similar case but uh, it was interesting he came out and said well uh, you know let's assume that that these chatbots are not gonna be covered by 2.30. So they're not gonna have liability protection from being sued. Well, one of the problems as we all know with these LLMs is they're very difficult to control and they spew out a lot of false information, including about people and companies and everything else. Well, okay. So what's gonna happen there with OpenAI and anyone like them, where they're spewing out huge quantities of false information, Uh, about competitors, about bias, you know, just about all kinds of stuff. Um, And, uh, you know, to me that, you know, their future is very much in question on that issue. And then just recently last a few days ago, the actual two lawmakers that that wrote that law said very clearly that it won't be covered. Uh, You know, it's not even close. So those are the big issues that haven't been decided on apparently, you know, assuming that's going to need to be SCOTUS uh, that 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 decides on those. Um, and then, of course, we have the FTC that just came out yesterday, uh, a complaint filed uh, saying that uh, that, uh, you know, open AIs bot and and, and you know, you can you can extend that to any that are almost identical in the, in the type. Um, that are uh, you know, not following the guidance on AI and, and they are, are, uh, you know, are breaking some of the rules there. So those are kind of the three big areas where we have governance issues that very much impacts the, the, the legal community. Um, and you know, there's ways to deal with it, but there's... So if we separate out the consumer chatbots that scrape the entire universe, I you know, personally think their future is very much in question. Without a radical change, um, but that doesn't mean that there isn't huge opportunity for generative uh, AI, and uh, you know, especially in the enterprise, and or or even uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, closed uh, websites uh, where they own the data, uh, and, and people are voluntarily uh, contributing their data and you know participating in that sort of thing. Networks, new new types of networks perhaps. So uh so yeah, it, it's it's not gonna stop the AI development. There's been a lot of hype about that. Oh no, you know, they're they're the you know, headlines they're gonna they're they're seeking to stall AI. That's not the case at all. It's really just this one model that has those kind of serious issues for for uh consumers uh, that's in question.
0: And and both and both of those things could be addressed, right? Because you, you can choose what data you, you plug into your uh LLM. Yeah, and you could also build guardrails. So one one of the the you know some people call it a large libelous uh, model because of of, yeah. <laughs> of the potential there. And so an example out of that, because you know one of the challenges with generative AI is it has a has a pretty significant hallucination rate, and a specific uh, uh, challenge there is you can get a result that that shows in quotation marks that Mark Montgomery said X or that Mark M- M- Montgomery wrote a certain book that sounds like a book that you might've written. Like statistically, it makes sense that 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 sounds like a book you could have written, but of course it didn't actually happen. And the quote was made up. Well, both, those are two facts that are verifiable. Like you could take everything that's in a quote and go check and say, well, can I actually find a reference where that quote does exist? But Currently, the, you know, the chat GPT as we know it today does not does not do those things. And it opens up all kinds of avenues for abuse.
1: Right. Yeah. And, and there's and I, I ran some tests and some competitive issues with 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 their company versus others and found it found it pretty interesting, too. Um, and, you know, even in uh, in AI theory and some other things where uh, it's there seemed to be a fair amount of bias. Um, so yeah, uh, there's a there's a, there's a lot of issues uh, in terms of liability uh, for that model. Um, it just I don't you know on the technology side, it's it's, it's like Kenton and others have said, it, it, the guardrails you can do certain things, but there you can also work around them. Um, and and as um, aggressors are built that are automated. They're going to be able to very quickly move around these bots right in the guardrails that you put up so you put up one guardrail just for example um, and there's been some really interesting interviews for the people that worked on these actual things early when they were raw and oh my goodness talking about i don't know if you've seen some of those but talking about you know who would make a good you know individual to to assassinate And, you know, what would be the best way to do it and that sort of things. And it just automatically spews out directions on how to do it. And it just stunned the people that were working on it, It scared the heck out of them, you know? So you're asking for things like, and they've already addressed this. So I'll bring it up. But if you're talking about, you know, how to build a bomb, well, pretty easy in any of these language systems to guardrail against bomb, right? A keyword bomb, but. Uh, if you're a clever terrorist or someone else or if you have a, a software program that's relatively clever well not to mention a state-sponsored effort that has resources uh, you could you could talk about the specific chemicals that have completely legitimate uses um and and and, and frame your questions um you know for Wmd that says nothing about a bomb and the, and the bot would, would not be able to, uh, differentiate uh, would not be able, your guardrails would not be able to catch that not any time within the foreseeable future so there's some real kind of realist risk issues cyber has already been one that's been tested a lot and there has been proven that that uh, you know it's extremely good these bots at you know giving directions on behavioral workarounds uh, and uh, and and actually code uh, you know, giving you the code to be able to attack and, and do cyber attacks, because that's, you know, frankly, all available on the web uh, in different forms. So, yeah, there's a there's a lot of liabilities, a lot of risk issues that that people hadn't thought about. And it's, you know, we know that the I know some of the scientists that worked in these early on. And, you know, there's some brilliant people working on it, but they're working on algorithms and they're working on the science and theory um, and, and some of them have a little experience on the safety side, but to, the, the problem is, is that the, you have this unprecedented experiment um, on human, you know, humankind that's released in the wild. Um, and it didn't have the type of scientific rigor uh, that, you, you know, one would expect uh, from, you know, a Manhattan Project uh or you know medical experiments etc for, for this century anyhow or you know for the last three four hundred years uh so it's 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 almost like a little bit like the you know the uh, uh the old guy in the west riding around on his is uh, his wagon you know selling the latest little concoction to to cure all your ills uh it's it's uh, it's a little scary and then people you know how much are they going to drink and what are they going to use it for you know, just don't give it to your dog, please. You know, whatever you do. So I, uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a little. Uh, there's reason to be concerned on the risk side, and and I know Microsoft is working hard on it. I know, but the problem is, is that in the inherent technology and these LLMs make them very very difficult to to make them safe unless you control the data, like you were talking about in your in your enterprise. Then if your data is safe and secure and of high quality. Not a problem at all.
0: So we, we've safe. got a snake oil salesman sort of problem on the consumer side because yeah. uh, for, the, for the consumer side, you, you want to sort of ingest everything so it applies to everything. Right. But if we switch to an enterprise model and talk about uh, tackling specific markets, then, right. then we have a very different circumstance.
1: Absolutely. And it's not limited to LLMs then because... Uh, one of the benefits or, you know, the, one of the reasons why OpenAI and, and others are, are using the very large scale consumer uh, option is because they need enormous, it's, it's fundamentally based, the science is based on scale. Um, and so you need to scrape something at the, at the web size to be able to, to approach artificial general intelligence when you're using that model. Okay, there's other ways to do it. There's synthetics, there's you know there's other theories there's other ways to pursue uh, AGI and and a lot of the leading you know it's certainly there's no consensus on this a lot of a lot of the leading thinkers in AI uh, uh, you know think that this is we're just about hit the limits of what these LLMs can do uh, for one reason is, is that we're running out of data uh, there's not a lot of data left for them to to run on and improve the systems however um, uh, you know there there are so if you get in the enterprise, you don't have that scale. Then there's a lot of different algorithms that you can use. It's not just LLMs um, to create. Um, you know, you can certainly use transformers. You can do, but there's a lot of different options that you can use in it. And that's one of the reasons I, in my latest newsletter on EAI, EAI, I focused on on uh, uh, neurosymbolic AI because that's that's one of the primary fields now that we're looking to for, uh, for the future of the enterprise, um, to be able to deal with governance, precision, um, and yet still benefit from, um, the generative AI and some of the other models, um, for, you know, uh, not necessarily for full content reproduction, although, you know, it would take longer, but you could certainly do it. If you had a large law firm and you had enough data, uh, you could, uh, quite easily set up a thing that, that, uh, you know, write me a letter on X topic and based on all of your previous work in the law firm, it would pretty easily do that for you. Um, and that would be very good for productivity, right? So,
0: well, that's what, that's what has everybody excited, right? There's the potential. The The question is, is how do we get to that potential? Because I, I feel like we're at uh, peak AI hype right now because of the, the launch of, of ChatGPT GPT. And we almost have to go through a phase of of reality and, and retrenchment to to then get to to the the true realization, which which could be even much greater than than uh, than how we're seeing it right now.
1: Well, yeah, some of us hope that the hype is it will be toned down because it's uh, it's been you know it's been punishing on the ears and eyes uh, recently just because of the, the intensity. Uh, but yeah, it's true. One of the I think one of the benefits of this, you can see it in investment, right? There, I, I think a lot of the investors are getting it wrong, but but still, um, it did demonstrate to the world the capabilities of what it, what AI can do, um, and it, it didn't restrict them on the questions that they wanted to ask, right? And so, in some sense, it did contribute. To the education of AI, whereas previously we were all sort of restricted on what we could do, especially in the enterprise. Because even if you do anything in the enterprise, typically you're, you know, you're, you're pretty bound with NDAs and stuff on what you can talk about, um, and or what you can show. You're dealing with some of the most sensitive stuff inside the, you know, intellectual property and workflow in those enterprises. Um, and there's a lot of secret work going on. Things like drug development, you know, that is, that is very secretive. They, they don't want uh, anybody to know what they're working on with good reason, right? Um, and so this at least allowed the uh, the public to get a taste at, at the level of their understanding in their real world. Whether they're asking the chatbot about the football games and who's going to win or whatever it is their interest is. Uh, you know, or professional work, whatever it is, at least they get a sense now of, of what the future is going to look like. And I think that future is going to happen. Um, but as I said, uh, I don't see a pathway where these consumer bots with the current LLMs without a radical change um, in structure, I don't see how they can even survive. Uh, you know, it just, it seems like it's impossible. The liability issues alone and I think that's probably why Microsoft kept it at arm's length, right? They're willing to invest billions of dollars, uh, but it's a separate company. And, um, you know, they can go away and Microsoft would still be able to, to use LLMs um, in, their, in, in generative AI in their, in their productivity products uh, where the data is controlled and, you know, the, Microsoft would be fine. But, um, but I'm not so sure about their, some of the partners in LLMs.
0: Well, you know, but a lot of technology has been developed this way, right? Move fast, break things and oh, yeah. and often the first mover does survive that and uh you know, sometimes the first mover gets uh arrows in the back and and we we are talking about the second mover. Yeah. Uh but but sometimes uh, breaking things is a successful way to Yeah. To build. Well,
1: the, yeah, the 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 thing that's unusual that, that is about this unprecedented is that Uh, is that you you know you're going in without it's unknowable what all the risks are right and so and a lot of those risks can't be taken back so it's uh, that's I think what concerns scientists a lot of scientists is because we just uh, we're aware of the risks but we didn't apply the the rigor that you should be doing uh, in a controlled environment so for example how it should have been done You could have, Microsoft, they could have partnered with Microsoft. Microsoft could have gone out and partnered with some of their industry customers, large scale or whatever, and use those LLMs. Let's say a large scale publisher with, you know, huge amounts of of data, Dow Jones or whoever. Um, And and you could have done some really interesting experiments with, uh, you know, very controlled environment. The employees and all the people could have been trained uh, on on the risks involved and you know what to report and that sort of thing and and give it a little more time. now you know it's speculation but I, it's pretty good speculation. it's educated guess. open AI needed money. you know running that thing they were burning just astronomical amounts of capital to keep that that engine humming and they needed capital. so they were under extreme pressure to demonstrate, to be in negotiations with Microsoft, apparently, and others to get enough capital to con- continue on with that model. And that's probably, you know, it's a fair assumption that that's why they jumped out so early. Um, they were just under pressure. They may not have survived otherwise.
0: So Some $10 billion win for them there. Um,
1: well, you know, they could have had a gun to their head and, and there was maybe no guarantee that, um, and if they weren't able to demonstrate it and and as it was, I mean, it was a very aggressive move by Microsoft, but uh, but who knows? I mean, Microsoft may not have invested if they didn't make it public. You know, it, it's it's questionable.
0: But so but there that, are more specific applications that that seem a lot more straightforward. Like Microsoft supplying the same technology to Copilot in in GitHub, right. that that does not seem open to the same level of of problems and challenges as as ChatGPT, with with a huge upside in terms of of uh, programming productivity?
1: Well, Microsoft has a ton of programming code available that they own. Uh, and so they could certainly use uh, the same, it doesn't even need to be LLMs, but they could, they, let's just call it machine learning algorithms to be able to increase productivity for uh, software programmers. And that's been sort of the assumption for years now, is that you know programmers are going to be one of the early uh, victims of automation. Now, will they all get replaced? Now, right? You know, for a long time, you know how these things work. It's going to make them a lot more productive, and they're going to get a lot more done, and then focus on other things. So it's 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 not so much automating people as it is tasks uh, and a certain percentage of of uh, of their work. But yeah, I think that's a very good example of, and I think that's a pretty good com- comparison to the legal work. Because there is a lot of, of comparisons, legit comparisons between focused discipline legal work and, you know, focused engineering, software engineering in the code, right? One is a language and legal language and the other is, is software code. And so I think there is a, it's it's, it's a good analogy. It's a good comparison. Um, I, I think
0: programmers are going to be the beneficiaries, by the way, because, you know, we know in running software companies, there's always much more code to write than ever gets written. So, uh, yeah. I, I see yeah, that for, for upside in
1: the future I agree with you I think I think it's I think it already is benefiting software programmers. Um, and for you know it's going to be a long time before uh, you know let's call them professional developers are automated out. Uh, you know I don't see it yet on the horizon personally so
0: yeah and so we, we were talking about before we got on here with with Bloomberg's announcement that just came out of, of a finance specific uh, product which is in line with with where you're talking about, where this all needs to go.
1: Yeah, I just saw it a uh, half hour before uh, our, our talk started. And, uh, you know, one of the, the I'm connected to one of the, their CXOs and they, they just issued a paper. Um, and um, on, uh, I forget how big it was, but I think it was 5 billion or something. Anyhow, they've been working on it a long time. And, uh, and I think they call it Bloomberg GPT, um, and it's essentially a finance uh, purpose-built for the finance industry. Uh, uh, let's call it chatbot. Uh, and uh, and and presumably they're they're going to uh, you know sell it to their customers in the finance industry. And but it's a large scale. It's 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 tailored uh, specifically to that industry. And uh, and they've been working on it a long time. So it sounds you know I scanned it real quickly. Uh, I haven't been, had a chance to study it, but from what I saw, it looked pretty impressive. So,
0: but, you know, but it, directionally, that's that's the that's the route to get to to the realization of of the value here.
1: Well, for enterprises, I mean, it, it certainly is. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. I mean, it, it. I think they 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 recognized a a good opportunity and probably a risk. Right, if you're doing a SWOT analysis for for uh, Bloomberg uh, on AI, uh, it would probably come up top. AI as both risk and an opportunity, uh, very, very near the high, because there's probably not a lot of risk for Bloomberg, uh, I would imagine, um, otherwise. But, uh, but this did open up uh, a pretty good risk, so they obviously invested a lot of money in it. But they're a data company, right? When it gets down to it, they produce enormous quantities of data, It's proprietary, they own it all, they've got their own media arm. So they've got huge quantities of data that they could tap uh, to be able to produce this. So it makes perfect sense uh, to me that they would do this. Um, And uh, it it provides really good defense for them and provides a, a good growth opportunity for their customers. And if you're one of their customers in finance, it's probably gonna be pretty difficult not to at least uh investigate that product and, and see what it offers you right so it it, it struck me as a as a smart move on um, one of the one of the first really big efforts in in an industry specific specific way but that probably isn't going to mean you could you could see for example we've done deep dives in most industries over the last 10 years so i'm thinking about pharma you know deep dives in pharma they have access to enormous amounts of data but it's not necessarily, in fact, it's not the type of data that is necessarily good for generative work. Uh, and, and it's certainly not in terms of a, a chatbot uh, because it's it's things like, you know, drug trials, human trials, and, you know, scientific data, uh, all kinds of interesting stuff uh, that you can accelerate R&D, uh, you can bring efficiencies to it to, to reduce their costs a lot. Um, and and, uh, and there's a lot of fraud in pharma, so that's a concern, multi-billion-dollar annual problem. But uh, uh, you know they're primarily focused on accelerating R and D for blockbuster drugs. That's you know their incentive. Uh, but but they don't have the type of data that's going to be able to create a chatbot. So there would be an opportunity for somebody in the industry to go in, like we we have a a digital assistant in our system. Um, and it's universal, but it can be tailored. Once we run it on their data, it's automatically tailored to their industry and to their people based on their own data. Um, and that's kind of what we try to get get across to people. It's, it's difficult for people to understand at first, but the, the architecture of the system doesn't really care what industry it is. As long as your people are experts on what they're doing, and they're working with high quality data, that's really what matters. Um, and that's still the differentiating factor between, you know, competitors are still your people. And I don't see that going away anytime soon. Uh, you know, we, we can certainly apply some really good augmentation. Um, and, you know, there's some interesting automation going on, but uh, especially at the higher levels of professional levels uh, it's still going to be human against human in the competitive world for quite some time. Uh, it, well, you know, I think that
0: argument uh, very much applies in the in the legal uh, profession. Uh, and you know it, it's a it, it's a text based profession, right it's it's the the output is is text. and so I think that's why we see so much excitement uh in in legal around this technology.
1: Right. Yeah. I, I mean, it would be, I think, probably pretty similar to what Bloomberg faced. If Let's say if you're a large law firm, let's say, you know, a giant law firm, uh, international. Uh, and if you're doing your annual update of your strategic plan and you're looking at doing a SWOT analysis, AI, you know, in the, uh, we haven't focused on the legal industry much. But uh, in the industries that I have in the conversations in most industries, I can tell you the largest companies in the world the CEOs AI has been top of mind in both risk and opportunity, uh, so it's 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 been a very high priority for years now. Um, now we have this consumer kind of issue that comes out that changes that equation quite a bit, um, but uh, it, but it's been on the minds of Fortune 100 companies for you know at least eight years, ten years um, as uh, when we first started twelve years ago nobody had ever we would contact a a company uh let's say oil and gas i can recall and they had artificial intelligence in their in their enterprise and some of them had supercomputers which you still kind of needed to do ai then but they were using it exclusively for things like mining for more uh you know mining data to be able to produce more oil they had never considered using it to, to augment their enterprise or their workforce, which is what we're focused on, um, you know, to uh, pre- presumably, you know, possibly even then, uh, look into you know getting into other industries, uh, you know, saving money, preventing, you know, one of the things that we worked on uh, quite a lot was the BP oil spill. Um, and you know preventing that kind of that was nearly fatal, right? 60, 63, 64 billion dollar event um, and you know a few million dollar investment, I'm convinced, uh, Today, anyhow, would have been able to prevent it at the time. Yeah, it was uh, the technology wasn't wasn't quite there yet to prevent that kind of thing. But today, uh, most of those type of events can be prevented. So, uh, so yeah, it's a uh, there, there's a awful lot for the boardrooms to consider, um, and they don't have the luxury that I do of spending you know most of my waking hours up at three a.m. reading through the latest papers. Uh, to stay, you know, on top of it, it is really difficult because of the volume, uh, the noise level. It's hard for everybody now to to keep up with it. It's it's crazy.
0: Yeah, I think the spot analysis in law firms is in the same exact uh, same exact box. Uh, when when you get uh, industry specific and you really tune for a specific data set, how does that uh, address the 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 guardrail and hallucination issues? Like how, how, how does it make that circumstance better?
1: Well, I can, yeah, I, I'll explain that two different ways. One is, is our way of doing it right in our system. And that is we have uh, what's called the CKO engine. And that was part of the original core patent in the first generation of technology. We have a whole nother generation, but that's from the semantic days and, 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 and symbolic and natural language natural language in LP. So it's an easy to use natural language interface for the, the, it's not necessarily CKO, but senior level people that are approved in the organization. And so that is the governance, the CKO engine for the whole enterprise. So you, the, for example, you you determine who has access to what data, right? Right off the bat, which is really important, especially now with, with, these, with these bots, because as you can imagine, if that bot gets into sensitive areas of a client in a law firm, right? And let's say it's a partner or a researcher, somebody, even somebody within the firm that is not supposed to have access to it. Um, and 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 suddenly it spews out that chatbot spews out really sensitive information. Let's say it could even be criminal, it could be, you know. Uh, or it could be just a huge financial issue, or it could be you know IP trade secrets, uh, you know industrial espionage. There is a there is so you have to be very very disciplined on your on your data management number one, um, and so uh, that governance are that's how we handle it in our in our CKO engine uh, because it's a precision data management system. Now uh, now you can. You know, they're, they're, if you're using just LLM, their generative AI, you're limited on what you can do uh, because uh, those guardrails, you, you, you need, okay, so the quality of the data is going to be there. Let's say you're in a large law firm. I don't think you have to worry about some of the craziness on hallucinations that you have to worry about in the LLMs on the, on the consumer web because your inputs are high quality data. So all you're going to be concerned about is governance, right? Data governance, um, being able to uh, to uh, box it off by client, right? And and so that you have uh, security for your clients um, to protect your own law firm. Um, the the you know if I was a senior partner, especially in in a certain area, I would want. Um, and through ours, we have Dana, our, our digital assistant. I would want the ability to protect my own data and give access, so we do that in our system. Uh, You know, who's going to have access to this sensitive data? Well, if I'm working in a team, obviously there's going to be a team of people that needs access, but on on this project, the next project, it might be a different team uh, that has access to it. So that's the key issue is data management, Um, whether it's LLMs or any other kind of machine learning, because you can't have a... A data warehouse scenario uh, with artificial intelligence, and everybody has access to it. When you're in anything like, uh, you know, a major enterprise, much less something like a law firm, I just, you know, I, I don't see how you could possibly do that. You yeah, in a
0: law firm, you'd have you have to pay attention to the ethical walls in the law firm, or you'd have to choose to only run against the documents that are that are not subject Very to any good. ethical wall.
1: Yeah. So, in our data, for example. Each individual has their own data library that they upload their own library of data. Then there's a corporate uh, uh, data store that you know everybody has access to, or at least everybody that that the you know the corporation through the CPU engine gives access to. And so that's how we deal with it. And very rich metadata. Um, and uh, but if the here's the thing, the data physics is what I call it. And you see a lot of this in the last couple of years written about, and it's true. It's amazing that it took this long for people that, you know, even Google, uh, you know, one of their senior people, very, very, very well-respected uh, computer scientists, I, I know him, uh, you know, about three years ago, came out and said, well, guess what? In the artificial intelligence, it actually turns out the data management is the key. And, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, because they were focused on algorithms for so long Right, that that in the whole you know sector was all the scientists, and nobody wanted to do data. And in fact, uh, there was a survey done on it, and uh, and everybody you know in AI wanted to work on models because that's where the you know it's much more interesting, it's much you know, uh, challenging from an academic perspective and an intellectual perspective, and so nobody wanted to work on the data, but we're talking about the enterprise. Uh the, the quality uh is it's the data management is. Absolutely key. Uh, you, you can't even you can't even you shouldn't even allow uh, artificial intelligence in um, it in, in an enterprise unless you have it uh, very very disciplined uh, boxed off on access to the data. Uh, otherwise, so if, you you, want,
0: if you want good output, you gotta you gotta have good input. Well,
1: yeah. And then if you and if you're if you're only looking at a small data set, then you probably won't even want to use LLMs. It wouldn't make sense. You could use other algorithms that are better for it. Right. And so, and then you can use also apply synthetic data, you know, uh, to augment it that you can, you know, beef it up and get some better results. There's, there's tricks that you can do. So, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's really difficult to do after the fact. And that's kind of what happened to to uh, chat, uh, chat bots, open AI. Is that they didn't think through on their architecture governance from the get-go? Uh, it's a fairly new company. They didn't. They didn't do the architecture in advance. Uh, they didn't plan it out. And now, after the fact, especially with LLMs, it's almost impossible. It's literally physically almost impossible to do a good job because there's workarounds. Uh, however, if you're you know if you're if you're structuring it well and you design a governance structure from the get-go like we did, then your risk is very low. It's physically impossible not to have governance unless somebody really does something acts into the system or you know something like that, because it's physically uh, separated and, and managed uh, with, with more traditional data management. And that's why the combination, that's why I focused the newsletter this month because of the hype, because of all the problems, uh, and looked at neurosymbolic because that's really the way we need to, to go uh, you know, in the enterprise in the future
0: well Mark this has been uh this has been a, a great discussion I really appreciate you uh coming on and, and tackling this the uh, couldn't couldn't yeah. be more timely
1: yeah it was fun uh, i I appreciate you inviting me on Bill and it was good to see you again hopefully we can get together physically or not too distant future and uh, have dinner or something so I agree thank you thanks a lot bill I appreciate it We'll <laughs>